Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So we're really at an investigative standstill, and that's why we took the innovative approach to look at um, phenotyping DNA technology to uh, help us provide a scientific approximation of the likeness of the of the mother. Now, I got to say, I've never heard of this before today. And, and this is relatively new. So that's uh, Calgary Police Service Staff Sergeant Martin uh, Schiavetta at a press conference today talking about their use of DNA phenotyping to try to get some kind of breakthrough in this this tragic mystery that they've been dealing with since Christmas Eve when a baby was found in a, a dumpster near a Boness grocery store. Police have been trying to find the mother of this child but have been unsuccessful. So they've turned to this technology to try to put together at least a composite it may not be. Maybe in the end it'll look nothing like the actual mother. But using DNA information to try to put together a composite of what she may look like. So they have an image that, that's been released by the Calgary Police Service in what I believe is their first use of this technology. So I wanted to find out a bit more about what this is and, and how it's used. Because, it, it, as I say, it's relatively new, but it has been used quite a bit in the last couple of years by law enforcement right across North America. Uh, so Calgary Police Service turned to this lab in Virginia for some assistance. It's called Parabon Nanolabs Incorporated. Uh, joining us on the line is Dr. Ellen Graytack, who is Director of Bioinformatics with Parabon Nanolabs. Uh, Dr. Graytack, thank you so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, this is really new science, really cutting edge stuff. So tell us a bit more then uh, about what, what phenotyping is and, and the role that you played here. Well, really, DNA phenotyping is just an entirely new way to think about forensic DNA. So forensic DNA is traditionally treated as a biometric, like a fingerprint. So you've got DNA at a crime scene, and you can use it to match to either a suspect you've already identified or to a database. But if you don't get a match in any either of those places, it couldn't tell you anything more. What we're doing is treating the DNA like a blueprint. Like it actually has all the information that coded for that person. And so we're reading that information and making predictions about that person's appearance. What is their eye color, their hair color, their ancestry? Um, things that can hopefully help police narrow down the field of possible suspects. It's not going to individually identify someone, but it's going to help eliminate uh, the vast majority of people. All right, well, explain how this is done then. So in, in this instance, uh, police do obviously then have some, some DNA at, at their disposal from the deceased child. So what do you do with that information? So what we do is we've built what we call predictive models. So for each trait, let's say eye color, uh, we have thousands of volunteers who have given us their DNA as well as a description of their eyes. 
And what we've done is figured out what parts of the DNA code for the differences between blue eyes and green eyes and hazel and brown and so on. Uh, and then when we get a new sample uh, from an, an, a new subject, so in this case, this would be crime scene DNA, uh, we run that DNA through those predictive models. And it says, you know, those predictive models basically say, uh, when I've seen DNA like this before, you know, 95% of the time, for example, it comes from someone with blue eyes and it only comes from someone with brown eyes with, you know, 0.1% of the time or, or something like that. And so that's how we can report this information to the investigators. You know, there's a very high probability that this person has blue eyes. There's a very low probability that they have brown eyes. And the police can then use that information if they've got a suspect list. You know, depending on the case, that could be 100 people, 1,000 people. It could be anyone. Uh, but they can take anyone with brown eyes and not eliminate them, but move them to the bottom. They're not going to invest their resources investigating brown-eyed people to start with because it's highly unlikely that this DNA came from someone with that description. And so they can focus their investigation on people who really do match this description and hopefully combining that with other investigative information, figure out who that individual was. Yeah, and certainly what, what police are focused on in, at the moment in this case is, is finding the mother of this child. So when you have DNA material from, from the child, how are you able to, to separate um, what, what would have come from the mother, what would have come from the father? Uh, I, don't, I don't know the details of the sample in this case. I don't know exactly what was analyzed, and we typically don't talk specifically about the cases themselves. Right, but I mean, in more general terms, uh, is is it possible then to make that distinction about what, what traits would have possibly come from, from the mother versus the father? Um, in, in general terms, uh, we would, if we're producing a prediction of the mother, we would need actual DNA from her, uh, which is often found in such cases with, uh, with the remains. Uh, what we can do is if there's only DNA from, say, the, the infant and the mother, we can sort of infer uh, at least the ancestry of the father, but uh, yeah, we can't determine what he would have looked like. And, and we need a DNA sample from the actual person on whom we're making predictions in order to do uh, the phenotyping that we typically do. Okay. But I mean, in terms of then what, what can be gleaned from this information, uh, as you, you talked about uh, eye color, hair color, ethnicity, th this kind of information. Yes, we also do skin color, freckling, and then also the shape of the face. How long have you been doing this? <laughs> uh, we've been developing the technology since about 2010, and it's only been available to law enforcement for just over three years. So it's still very new technology. How many times uh, have, have you been approached then by, by law enforcement? How many times has this been used by law enforcement? It's been used in over 150 cases at this point. Um, you know, we can't accept every case. It depends on the quality of the DNA that they have uh, or if they even have DNA. Uh, but, yeah, so we have, we've worked on a lot of cases and have had inquiries about even more. Right. It does it tend to be the kinds of cases where, you know, police are, are stuck, police are in need of a break, that they're, they're looking for some kind of lead in, in a difficult case? Yes, absolutely. And it really varies. We've worked on cases as old as 45 years old. Uh, the oldest case that we've helped solve was 25 years old. And, and so in that case, you know, they had had suspects over the course of those 25 years. They had talked to a lot of people and uh, hadn't found the person. And so they used the information that we provided to go back through 
everybody they'd ever talked to who they didn't have a DNA sample from. And from that, there were only a couple of guys who matched our predictions. And when they went and tried to talk to one of them, he fled. And, and so they were able to you know, eventually obtain his DNA and, and arrest him and find that he was the right person. But that's you know, a great example. But what we're seeing more more commonly these days is that people are using it earlier and earlier in a case. So right. instead of, uh, you know, of course, this wasn't available 25 years ago or even five years ago, uh, but instead of waiting uh, to exhaust all your leads and have spent all this manpower investigating anybody, uh, what we're finding is that uh, investigators want to use this information up front to say, how am I going to make my investigation efficient and make sure that it doesn't go cold in the first place um, by having my guys, you know, investigating anybody when it could have been, it really could have only been a small subset of the population. You know, in terms of where, where the technology can go from here, as impressive as this is, I mean, there, there's still limitations, but is there still untapped potential here? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, at this point, you know, we're only producing, we're only really predicting those four pigmentation traits, eye, hair, and skin color, and freckling, and then ancestry and face shape. But there's a lot more to appearance. You know, we'd love to do things like hair texture. Is it curly or straight? Is this person likely to bald or go gray early? Um, even things that have an environmental component, there's still some prediction capability in there. So things like body weight. We know people have, different people have different tendencies uh, towards body weight. You know, those are things that would be very interesting and very useful to do, but that we're not doing right now. We're also hoping that the technology for DNA analysis will keep advancing to the point that the, a person's age could be determined from their DNA. Because right now we're only looking at DNA sequence. And your DNA sequence doesn't change from when you're born through the rest of your life. So it doesn't encode your age, but there are other aspects of that sample that might capture, you know, at least within a few years, that person's age, which of course would be extremely helpful uh, to investigators. And so what we have to do right now is produce predictions by default as a young adult and at a normal body weight. Uh, but we do have a forensic artist who can do age progressions or weight progressions or add accessories, you know, things like that, any information from witnesses or anything like that that would not be written in the DNA, we can also take into account. Yeah, that's quite fascinating. Uh, if people want to read more about this technology, the work you do, it's parabond-nanolabs.com. Dr. Gray Tack, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, there you go. Fascinating stuff. Ellen Graytack is director of bioinformatics at Parabon Nanolabs. It all sounds very cutting edge. Uh, so the Calgary police, like other police forces uh, before them in recent years, have, have turned to this company for the work they're able to do to hopefully get some kind of a breakthrough in this case. Because so far they've come up short. So you can see the image at our website, 770chqr.ca. And what the mother of this baby may look like. And who knows, right? There, there's a possibility that, that this could be a breakthrough. Maybe not, but I think at this point they, they want to try something. That's pretty interesting. Um, one more here from police today. And again, it just gets to the point. And, and I would presume that the mother here is, is probably afraid. I, I don't know what kind of a situation she would have been in to, that led to what happened. But she's no doubt fearful. Police emphasizing that they just want to talk to her. This, again, is Calgary Police Service Staff Sergeant Martin Chiavetta. We do not know the mother's welfare, which is obviously our priority. And the other thing we want to reinforce is that 
we don't want people to assume that it was the mother that placed the baby in the dumpster. We do not know. All right, 974-8255 is our number. Quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.